are they? Androids. That's why they didn't register on your scanners. Androids? Are they yours? No. And if you want proof, you'll find they'll kill me as willingly as they'll kill you. See what I mean? That's them. I recognize that sound. Those are the things that attacked you? Yes. Do you know why? No. There isn't a reason. Whoever's controlling the androids thinks there is. and time the podcast that unites andy and alex despite the world that exists between them hello i'm andy and i'm alex how are you i'm jolly good are you yes why jolly um just everything's going well i mean to get to illustrate this i'm packing to go to stockholm um on next friday i'm going for two weeks and yesterday I spent the morning trying on T-shirts, work T-shirts, to see whether they're the right T-shirts that I can train in. I'm very particular. They have to have arms that are tight enough and they can't look too baggy. This is a thrilling story. But the point is... <laughs> <laughs> Please tell us more. That's success in advance. How do you dress to success? <laughs> well, let's try not to forget it this month. And then... I found just exactly the right amount that still work and are how I want them and haven't been washed too many times, and then I, and then Ryan offered to sew the others, to mend them through sewing to make the other ones right as through well. Through sewing, through sewing, sewing. Yeah. the magic of sewing. So he, he <laughs> sewed my t-shirts, and it was wow. amazing. And it was just like suddenly I was replete with working yes. kit. But then I, then I went through all my other T-shirts and just finally threw out loads that I just thrown into a box. So it was a really good clothes sorty day. I know that's not fascinating. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> not what I was expecting when you said things were jolly good. Very T-shirt based joy, but good for you. <laughs> well, you know how T-shirt based I am. It is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite integral to your character. I think it's just so, the yeah. fact that um, that I could actually be <laughs> okay enough in my mind and body to actually sort out my t-shirts is just amazing. And like there was right, always like your head's always in a million other places. Totally. And one one morning this week I got up and I was really wor- concerned about why I was worried. I was like, what am I worried about? Do you know what I realized it was? I was worried about the shortage of vegetables due to Brexit. <laughs> and that's what I'm bothered that's about. A brilliant lack of worry in your mind. That's so good. I was like, wow. oh, this is a new existence. This is I like this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> invent to worry even if there's not something to worry about we'll always do that but it's just the level of worry it's just oh this life can be like this is this how straight people (laughs) live their lives (laughs) (laughs) 
with vegetables and t-shirts being top of mind for all the panics. <laughs> and no, I can confirm that's not how straight people dress. Absolutely, 100% not. <laughs> Gosh. So I need an insight into your life. I've given you a fascinating insight into mine, you sweetie. You certainly have. Um, I've been pretty jet set, I'll have you know. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, no, it's all of the um, media spend that we had for work kind of all came at one month because, yeah, natural disasters, things like that. And we just had to kind of do everything um, that we planned in a very short space of time. So I had... Um, a two-day shoot in Christchurch, which was the most fun ever. Had the like a really, just a brilliant shoot where the um, the concept that I approved was really silly and fun. And I I don't know if I'm allowed to approve these concepts, but I'm just thinking I can. And so, so my boss might see the final finger. What the fuck is that? But right now I'm super excited because I've got like this guy who's like dancing around in a high vis trying to trying to get across the importance of insulation. Anyway, it's very fun. Um, so yeah, I had a two day shoot in Christchurch and then came back and then did a shoot with um, the producers at TVNZ, which was kind of cool because generally I go for kind of really tin pot organisations, but this was like everything was organized it was like i had like a viewing section for every kind of every shoot um Gosh. area that we went to it was yeah so it's really cool so i've been really busy but every time you have a shoot you just don't have time to do anything else so i'm very much behind with work but feeling like one of those marketers that do marketing sweetie yes. i did proper marketing do you pr pr things <laughs> i don't I pay someone to pr 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 <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> yeah so no things are um positive in that way but yes good and stuff and my back's so much better oh is it oh that's such a relief yeah. well done you yeah very, i've got my osteo appointment on tuesday but i think he'll just say um walk a bit <laughs> do some exercise something's so fucking lazy, no, lazy bitch. <laughs> You'll probably be all right. get up off your ass <laughs> yes yes right. well i have a question for you and that question is no less than, what have you been watching on TV? Oh, oh. Um, I've been getting a lot of pleasure from stuff that I, I don't know if I, what did I talk about last time? That's important. Um, <laughs> was it maths? Because maths is just. No, it's it was so bones. Cent- it's, oh, okay. So even though it's Australian, maths Australia is like the most well-known version of maths married at first sight you just have to call it maths i I can't i can't even begin to call it married at first sight he's so lovely he's so nice from the very first wedding i tell you something something okay so the new season you're lying is dynamite i would put you on my phone oh my god that's my worst nightmare bring on the Wedding Bells. Wow! New Married at First Sight. Monday, Jan 30 on 9. Maps Australia is like a global <laughs> phenomenon and they they just have it down pat. They manipulate the contestants so much that they kind of, they create drama wherever they go. But it, oh, it's just absolutely fascinating. It's just a brilliant insight into 
people's barriers and their limits are it's so good because people will put up with so much shit from their partner but then other people are just like as soon as they someone steps a foot out of line they're like nah fuck you you're out of it but oh it's it's just been so brilliant there's like this sex mad woman called melissa on there who is just absolutely grotesque and every time her partner is like trying to get deep and talk to her and get to know her she's like yeah but i want those hammer on this i want and then just, I'm just trying to talk to you. you shut up for a second. It's just, honestly, it's absolutely wonderful. And um, yeah, it's on like four nights a week. So it's like everyone in the country, like, you know how I miss that in the UK? That yeah. in the UK, everyone really does get behind Strictly and everyone's got, a, got an opinion. Not like, so now, much now. Go... Not so much now. Oh, okay. I think that's going away. But if you go to work, you're like, what do you think of Claire and, <laughs> and Jesse? And everyone's like, well, <laughs> it's just, it's so nice to have that kind of, yeah. that thing that we can Water all jump cooler on board TV. Yes. yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely, like, I've been, I've been told before, oh, you can't watch that, it's so much trash. And then as soon as someone starts watching one episode, they're like, oh my God, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> so, so honestly, I will take no shit about it. It is no, wonderful. It's funny because I, I come to the table with a reality show as well. So I'm matching your energy. Oh, it's, oh, it's not MKR, is it? No, it's not MKR. Don't worry. <laughs> if I could see MKR, it would be. I just don't have access to it. <laughs> so just thank your lucky shits. Um, <clears throat> no, it's going way back to early 2000s. And it's The Amazing Race Series 2. Because you used to watch it then, didn't oh, you? No, I what we bought it all on DVD and I watched it all with Marisa. But like, I thought I'll, I really would love to see it again because it's so cool, it's so much fun. It's like better than Treasure Hunt, but the same sort of vibe. Yeah, definitely got Treasure Hunt vibes. <laughs> yeah, and um, so we watched season two in about four days. <laughs> Ryan and I like. And did so, you get really into it, even though yeah. it's old? <laughs> even though oh, it's really good. And and also, even though we hated the teams that did really well and one of the teams ended up winning but it was that we didn't like but there was just this horrible couple called Will and Tara and he was just he just abused her all the time gaslit her all the way round and they lost in right. a foot race to the finish at the end and it was so pleasing he was de- he was devastated and he was always thinking he was going to get back they were a separated couple every time they were put up on the screen it said separated couple but um, uh, by the end of it so like, had they not been separated when no, when, when they, they start- started, or- no, they were separated when it started. But he was hoping the race would prove that they should be together. But it proved the absolute opposite that she wanted oh, nothing nice. to do with them. So it was kind of brilliant. So it was just oh, a really good, good. storyline, and they were beaten in a foot race at the end. So it's like, yes, beaten you. That's good. Yes, lots of brilliant gaslighting and maths. So many kind of awful people that yeah, you watch from afar and just think, oh my god, someone's got to say something. And I know. Oh, and when the when the experts, because the experts kind of jump in every week and kind of say, so how do you feel about this? Do you think that was appropriate to take that girl's number? And then they get really <laughs> ripped to shreds. It's so good. <laughs> um, we talked about water cooler TV for a moment then. I have a new fact for you that I really like, is that um, originally this sort of stuff was called scuttlebutt because it was the water butt on board a ship and people would, would stand around it, scuttle around the water butt. So it was about things that are going on, like the latest gossip. Um, it was called Scuttlebutt. So gossip oh. is called Scuttlebutt. So there you Gosh, go. the learning we have here. Yeah, but that's, just, that's the first version of water cooler moments. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. 
but that's been now embraced by the drag community particularly. So if there's some sort of controversy going on about a drag queen, they call it scuttlebutt. So they've gone back to the original. Ah. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. So it's not the tea, sweetie. Well, it is the tea as well, but yeah. yeah. Good. You've got a quiz organised, I feel sure. <laughs> Shitting haven't. <laughs> right, I've got a quiz book just here. Right. And you know how good my quizzes are. Well, I think it's time you said it's time for a quiz, so go for it. Now it's time for a quiz! Yay! So now what's the proper response to that? I've been listening to some old pods. What's the proper response? Quiz! Quiz! <laughs> Sorry, it's throat. Quiz! <laughs> Right, I'm trying to find something okay. that's classic only. Yeah, we don't want any of this no-who creeping in. No, oh, no, it just ruins it. Okay, I don't know if we've done this one before. Companion Departures, the, the 1970s. Sounds Ooh, hopeful. It does. I don't think I've done it before. Okay, where does Liz return to after leaving unit? Are we co-oping? Um, let's, because I might have some chances. Is it just Cambridge Uni? Back to it doing is. her shit. It is, back to doing her shit at Cambridge Uni. She can be very depressed, having worked there. I, I I'm, I'm sad for her. I used to think that sounded yeah, great until I worked there. And I was like, oh shit, she's just going to go. <laughs> Poor bitch. She's better off at unit being ignored there. <laughs> right. Where does Cliff plan that he and Joe will stop off to pick up supplies and get married? Oh... So, so is that before the it Amazon? It sounds like it's before the Amazon, which is confusing. Um, is it somewhere? Is it somewhere like Port Said or somewhere like that? Port Said or Port Said sounds more. Yeah, I know. That's what I was thinking. That's why I was curious. curious oh, there's part of me that kind of does remember this, but maybe I'm just making that up because I've just seen the answer. Or is it, or is it Southampton? <laughs> Similar. It's Cardiff. How weird. Oh, no. I'd never have got that. I feel like I remember the sentence, though, now. No, you're lying. Okay. After leaving Canine on Gallifrey, the doctor produces a box labelled what? Canine Mark II. Seems likely. Yes! Correct. Um, oh, okay. I'm getting a bit bored of this now. Where do Cliff and Joe go for their honeymoon? The Amazon. Where does the doctor think he's dropped off Sarah, but he hasn't? Thinks it's Croydon, but it's actually Aberdeen. Nice. What is Harry's last word on screen? Fucking hell, it's an android. (laughs) (laughs) Golly me or something. (laughs) Oh, I say. (laughs) (laughs) It's probably just the same. Oh, what is it? Go for it, I don't know. No, do you know it? No. Okay, twin. Oh, that's my twin. It'll, that was my twin. It'll be his Android double. Uh, that's the Android okay. oh, I'm not going to do that one. We know that one. After being left in e-space, and K, uh, K9 says he has all the necessary schedules for duplicating what? The TARDIS? TARDIS? Yes. Unlikely, I feel. Oh, uh, no, we know that one. Oh, fuck, we know that one. It's too fucking obvious. What does the doctor tell Andred Leela is terribly good with? Knitting. <laughs> Very similar start to the word. All oh, right, so we're not co-oping. It's all on me now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, I've seen the answer. Knife throwing? Too hard not to look. <laughs> Knife. Ah, knife. Ah, knife. Yes. Um, 
A last <laughs> sight of which companion is an unconscious body on the floor? Ooh. Is this is 1970s departures. Mm. Unconscious body on the floor. Are they really a companion? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'll check. Is it Harry? Not a companion. Is it, is it fucking Benton or something? Yes. <laughs> Not a companion at <laughs> oh, all. Sorry. Did John Levine make a special request that that be that question yeah. in there? <laughs> yeah. I am a companion. All right. So this could this could be controversial. What sort of plant does Sarah take with her on leaving the TARDIS? Oh well. I would say it's a geranium, but maybe it's a sweet William. So it's a geranium, but it's not because it's actually a pelagonium. Oh, yeah, look at you! But they even said that in here; they knew that that was a thing. Yes. Oh, they got pelagonium right. They said both. They said pelagonium, commonly known as geranium. They did oh. very well. I was pleased. Yeah, they did. Okay, I'll give you one more. Um, what are the doctor's farewell words to Romana? You are the noblest Romana of them all. How lovely. Nice. We like that. We do. Well done. You got some right. I did. There was definite rightness. Speaking of rightness, or the lack thereof, mm. you'll never guess what's been happening. <laughs> 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 I, I, I won't. No. I feel sure. So... I think Lou's new quest is to become a figurehead of the Goxhill community. So she organised oh. a fun run. <gasps> nice! I know, which is kind of nice. It's like giving back to the community you live in. But yeah. she wanted everyone to dress as Shakespearean characters for the fun run. Nice, yeah. Well, yeah. is it nice have though? have the fun and fun run. Yeah, it's nice. Really, the, Go nice. the people of Goxhill nice. were not up for Shakespearean no. characters. I could see that she was going to have a limited entry. <laughs> yes. At least then you don't have to serve as much lemonade at the halfway line. No, <laughs> but, but they just turned up in whatever. Like, they turned up as Spider-Man uh, and, like, random uh, witches witches and fairies and <laughs> shit like that. Got it. So she yeah. was quite angry. Quite angry. So how did she express her anger? Um, mainly through running. She won the race. Yeah. <laughs> quite, quite useful, really. <laughs> She won the fun run. Fuel for her. But with a sort of fury. <laughs> nice. Okay, good. Did she win? She won. Yes. She won the fun run. And, yeah, then refused to give her any of the prizes because people hadn't committed to the theme. So, yeah. yeah. So your house is full of prizes now. Full. Full to the brim. <laughs> Top to the drawstrings with handy-sized prizes for fun runs. Yes. Good. Well, you'll save them up for the next charity idea that she has I feel like there's one on the way I, I, I didn't know which way you were going with Fun Run I think there's, there's so much more she can bring to the Gox Hill community I'm thinking Leak Show I'm yeah. thinking like some kind of you know gorilla crochet yeah. affair I'm, I'm just relieved she's not decoupaging anymore <laughs> <laughs> it's a relief for us all it's true and now a word from Lou herself our sponsor <laughs> You're listening to World Enough and Time, a classic Doctor Who podcast. Was she a bit out of breath there? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit tired from the fun yes, run. the fun run, yes. And she insists on recording it every time. She's not like a recording She's that a we just play in. No. She's a professional. I hope you know. Gosh. Only, only does it live. Yes. Good. 
Well, seeing as the time-space visualizer is still broken and I haven't had time to fix it, we're going to crash on. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so, we have arrived, I think, unless I've forgotten something, at our story du jour. And that is... Earthshock! Earthshock! God. Exciting! Is it, though? Yeah! Good! <laughs> Fascinating. had such bones dinosaurs an amazing species are they your ancestors i hope not well you should be proud if they were oh thank you very much most of them had a brain the size of a pea they were also the most successful creature ever to inhabit the earth in what way fossilized remains have been found all over the planet not bad adaptation for a creature with a brain the size of a pea how long did they exist 100 million years or so they seem so secure and yet they died out virtually overnight so tell me, what feels do you get when you hear Earthshock? Um, and, and particularly first memory feels, please. First memory feels, um, I remember being excited to watch it because I've seen lots of pictures of Beryl Reed looking fierce. Um, and I had seen, uh, and I knew obviously that Adric was going to die. Um, and that always brings a little frisson of excitement whenever you hear that. Um, so there was definite joy at it. But, yeah, can't, I, I know I've watched it a couple of times, but I don't remember liking or disliking. Generally, I can go into it thinking, oh, or ah, um, but I really am generally quite ambivalent. I have no kind of strong thought either way every mm. time I think of it, which is unusual. Yeah, it is. Which is quite nice, actually, this time. Mm. So for me, I watched it the first time around. Because it seems like everyone was watching Doctor Who that year, 1982. It was that Tuesday and Thursday slot and everyone... You were watching it as well, but you were just making noises in the corner while I was trying to record off the TV. I was like, shut up! You are welcome. <laughs> um, and, yeah, we talked about it at school. that Adric had died and the Cybermen were back and all that. And just the excitement that the Cybermen were back. Just because I'd started collecting... Just started collecting the books. I'd looked at old Doctor Who magazines. I knew who the Cybermen were. I didn't remember them from their last appearance in 75, but I was flipping excited. I... Okay, so seven years previous, right. Yeah, I was so excited. I couldn't believe that it was the Cybermen. Um, yeah, so that was amazing. And mm. I remember thinking it was really affecting and deep that there was no credits over the, over the end. Did I you? thought it was really deep. <laughs> <laughs> I had a slightly different reaction this time, I have to say. <laughs> I should let you know that this time I watched it with Ryan, and I keep saying this Welsh name. You only say Ryan when you're around me. You're <laughs> it, Ryan. Um, and Greg. Oh, yes. Yes, it, which is it's one of his three favourite stories. So that was an interesting wow. potential pressure. Um, yeah. His three favourite stories being this, The Five Doctors, and Resurrection of the Daleks. So, <laughs> for the listeners, Alex has pulled face. <laughs> Quite a shocked face. Very, very odd selection of, of favourites. But when I explain that Tegan is his favourite companion, then it all becomes clear. It's just all Tegan based joy. Right. Yeah. But is he a proper Doctor Who fan? I can't wait until he hears, I can't wait until he hears this. Has he seen Doctor <laughs> I think on the basis of those three stories, we can only say he's not a proper Doctor Who fan. 
<laughs> as his evidence, <laughs> as his the, evidence, the final decision from his choices, the board has decided <laughs> not proper. Strip him of his fandom, <laughs> make him walk through the streets as we throw, throw poo at him. <laughs> did I take? I'll be there. Did I take it too far? Shame, shame. <laughs> What I do love is there are actually some Doctor Who fans who think there are proper Doctor Who fans and non-Doctor Who fans, and I think it's funny, on the yeah. basis of their likes. So don't be so fucking controlling, bitch. Yeah, fucking hell. Yeah. But yes. I did ask yes. him a quiz. I think I'll go with it now, actually. I asked him a quiz after we'd watched it. Um, a very silly little quiz about Earthshock. So I'll start. Um, what's your favourite thing about Earthshock? And he said, the independence of the companions from the Doctor. So I thought that was quite a nice moment. Yeah, there was a bit of that, definitely. Yeah. What was your favourite character? And he liked Lieutenant Scott. And he also liked Mitchell. And I was like, who the hell is Mitchell? I've no idea who Mitchell is. I would like to know who Lieutenant Scott is. <laughs> <laughs> He's the lead male guy. Oh, for goodness sake. There's so many strong fucking women and he goes for a lead male But he also, he, like, he likes his strong women, though. He's a Tenko fan and everything. But it's um, it was Mitchell was the shortish woman who followed him around for a bit. She's barely in it. I was like, I don't know how you know who she is. Anyway. Oh, the one that just kind of dies at one point. And she then just you sort of disappears. Oh, yes, yeah, we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He loves Tegan saying, I'm just a mouth on legs. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, Beryl Reed, yes or no? And he said... A whole world of no. <laughs> wow. Oh. He is so right. Oh, right, okay. And favourite episode ending. And he said, episode four, because it's funny watching Sarah Sutton and Janet Fielding pretending to be sad that Adric has died. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the quiz with Greg. Um, I like it. Before we go any further, I feel I can hear... The listeners crying out in their brains for a for a good old expert synopsis. So I will now yes. leave the floor and hand over to my co-presenter. Well, thank you. Right. Well, we join <laughs> some randomers somewhere. Don't know where. Oh, that's it. Um, and they're in a little. They've got a nice little door to underground. I love a door that goes underground. It's quite cute. So they go underground. There's a lass. She was doing a bit of a survey. Do we trust her? Don't know. Um, and she lost all her mates in her op for. Oh no! So the army or something. Are they the army? They're forces of a kind. Um, think they'll help her. I was quite impressed that she got such full on help from <laughs> using some people in her op for. Like everyone's like, we will come. We will bring all of our equipment. They all came and they're going to give her a hand. Um, they've got a good scanner. Sort them out. People are dots on this scanner. It's a lot of fun. They go and try and find them. A couple of Aston robot looking things wandering around looking a bit shifty. Um, so after a bit of wandering around in some tunnels, the Raston robots really go for it and they start really kicking off. Um, I know they're not Raston robots. No, no. <laughs> they may as well be, sweetie. They're very similar. Um... Anyway, they do a bit of killing, um, and then the Doctor and the companions say, oh, look at some dinosaurs. Do you like the correlation? There's dinosaurs. Think about it. Think about it. <laughs> um, and 
they realise that the only reason that the Raston robots are there are trying to protect a little door. Okay, if someone clobbers them over the head with something, then we'll be fine. That's what happens. And we find out behind this little door is a big bomb. Big bomb that looks like one of Ace's stereos. It's quite cute. Um, <laughs> bit of to and fro with that, and eventually the doctor sorts it out. He's sorted out the bomb, no problem. <gasps> but there's a relay. Somebody knows. Somebody knows. The people who planted the androids there, Raston robots, um, now knows that they've defused the bomb. Anything could happen. We must get to the source of this. We must. So, oddly, the doctor is very. Come on, everyone. We can all we can all have a wonder. Well, he doesn't really. They say I want to come, and he goes, "Yeah, right." It's very strange. It's not normal. Um, so he brings a lot of people in the TARDIS with him to the source of it, which is a big, it's a big ship. Um, and on this ship, Grumpy Man is annoyed because a couple of his people have already died. He doesn't trust anyone, um, and. This ship is waiting to get a clear run to the Earth. It's not on the Earth currently, it's a long way away. But they're gonna be there any minute now. So, um, yeah, Doctor arrives and they go for a little, a little shufty round and they find some dead people. Well, obviously it's you. I think it's the Doctor. I would always think it's the Doctor. I'm amazed how many people they can always convince. It wasn't me. I just found the dead people, but he does it. Um, Beryl Reed's fully on board. We find out that untrusty man is actually in league with the Cybermen. The Cybermen are the ones behind the whole thing. Oh, my God. Um, and so then as soon as we find that out, the Cybermen start to really... <laughs> start unleashing people. I'm just sad. Start... I'm sad that people can't see you doing that face. <laughs> they start ripping out the cellophane like nothing else. They are not going to stay there. They're jumping out left, right, and centre. There's thousands of them. That's a few. Um, and so they want to make sure that that thing, the ship, what's it called? The freighter. The freighter. Freighter. The very big ship. Freighter is um, gonna make it to Earth, and so wake up a few people. I think they've got a bomb on board. Have they got a bomb on board? Is there a bomb on board? Something that will explode. Isn't it just the freighter anyway. that is the bomb? No, I thought there was. A oh, bomb maybe, it. possibly. I have so many. I have nice? so many questions about the plot to ask you. So I um, hope you were paying well, attention. Answers, <laughs> apart from the bomb thing. Um, anyway, again. Lots of faffing back and forward with Cybermen jumping into doors, out of doors, and a bit of hokey coking, and it is quite fun to watch them. Um, then I think we must draw everyone's attention to the fact that behind all of this, that Janet Fielding just really had her eyes on that beige trouser suit. She was like, "Give me a beige trouser yeah. suit, and then everything will be all right." <laughs> she, she goes, she, she goes full wardrobe on the target. She goes full on Ripley, doesn't she? Out of nowhere. <laughs> She does. But I feel the only thing that it was like the suit that made it happen. It's like, if I was wearing that, anything could happen. <laughs> and boy, does it. Um, so, yeah, she manages to calm that last out of her trousers. Um, and then, yeah, it goes a little bit mental. Um, they, they know that there's actually a bit of a Styles plot going on. And the reason the Cybermen actually want to crash into Earth is because there's a big conference on Earth. And in that conference, they're all going to club together and say, fuck the Cybermen, <laughs> um, and they're terrified. Um, so to stop 
that, they must crash and stop all unity on Earth. It makes sense. It's the plan I would go with. Yeah. Um, so they're struggling. They're really struggling to stop the freighter. I don't know why. I don't know why they can't just stop. It's probably a reason. Um, <laughs> but they can't just stop. Um, so there has to be a plan. There isn't a plan. What do we do? Run around. Just get into the TARDIS. Just go. Um, but one person, Adric, says, I can sort this shit out. <laughs> um, and he um, he says, I'll stay. No, he doesn't. He just kind of jumps through a door. He taps on a very old looking keyboard. It's brilliant, that keyboard, honestly. It's just fabulous. Um, tapsy, tapsy, tapsy. He works it out. Oh no, it's too late. And he crashes into the earth. But he had managed to jump. Oh, there was a line. There was a line. It didn't feel like English. Um, they've jumped time warps. That's what they did. They jumped time warps. Um, and so, don't panic, they didn't get the conference, they just were the ones that actually started the extinction of the dinosaurs. Remember, we talked about the dinosaurs earlier. Remember, we saw them, it was fun. Um, and that's the end. Oh, Adric's dead. Forget about all the other people who died throughout the story, because there's fucking hundreds of them. But Adric's dead, so let's put some sad music on. The end! Yay! As comprehensive. I watched that one. Can you tell? As comprehensive as ever, if not more comprehensive. <laughs> Gosh, you really I think did. So. Uh, she felt like anyone was going on. It feels like you weren't weren't doing another task at the same time. <laughs> I was playing. I was playing Design Bill at the same time, but it. it <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Design Bill is very engaging. Is it? I have to play it. Um, okay, should we get into this? Should we? Oh, before we do, I've got to show you this terrible Target book cover. It's got a good view of the ground seats. It's terrible, <laughs> it's isn't it? It's so bad. It's Peter Davison. No, I see it oh, sorry, Peter Davison with a gun with a random brown seat behind it. Oh, it's so wrong. Nothing because, to do with any And of the it. Doctor shouldn't have a gun like that either. No. So Mind you, he's a bit killy. Well, he do, he's, he's a bit happy to kill. This is one of my problems. But also the weirdness of who wrote this. Have you seen who wrote it? Yeah. Ian Martyr. It's a link. It's a link, sweetie. Last time it was Ian Martyr wrote the Ark in Space novelisation. God. Fuck oh my God. Man. And it's about Dog 2. And last week was about Dog 2. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. That's a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How dare you. How fucking dare you. <laughs> Um, Good. Yes. So, should we get into it from the start? I think we should. Could we? So, first of all, why, as you say, as you rightly questioned, was that that massive sort of shock force on Earth by that by that sort of potholing expedition, which seemed inconsequential? Especially being as they didn't actually know her. It wasn't like she had influence. No. They were like, do you trust her? Well, maybe, probably not. Like, she just had a bit of an incident down a hole, and then called 999 and they just popped out I think they were like right we're here we've got all our kit so they must must have been looking for something or knowing that there was going to be some sort of something attacky because they had full on weapons they were like ready to kill lots of people being as all it was was a rock fall it was odd wasn't it that yeah. they were so well prepped it was yeah. very weird how many of you were there down there eight of us what were you doing survey the particular cave system we were in has just been discovered. It's proven to be rich in fossils. 
You all paleontologists? And geologists. Just makes sense. What I don't understand, which is really weird, is Lieutenant Scott is played by James Warwick. And yeah. we know him better as Tommy from Tommy and Tuppence, Partners in Crime. He doesn't look anything like him. <laughs> but it is him. And that's why I get really confused. I guess he changes a lot with the tash. Because Tommy yeah. is such a, a, a nice, gentle fellow and Scott's completely different. Yeah. So actually casting him was quite a surprise and quite a clever thing to do. Was he quite big as, as Tommy and Tuppence? Well, that was the big series, yeah. But it was the same year, 82, I think, around that time. So Right. Yeah. It just looks so different without the tash, doesn't he? Yes. Sweetie. When I got the bogus note, it was printed, not handwritten, but um, it was really the signature that gave it away. Tuppence. Good thinking, Tommy. Well, it's the right way to spell it, isn't it? T-W-O-P-E-N-C-E. But only someone who had never seen your signature would have spelt it like that. Julius had seen it. You wrote him a note once. How do you know about that? Well, there's quite a lot I know that you don't know, I know. When they said that I think Kyle might be lying, you know, the professor woman, um, I, uh-huh. I wrote down in my notes, no, she's not lying. She's too vapid to lie. <laughs> <laughs> she is really basic. Uh, I love that she manages to get in at one point. Oh, that's Dr. Khan, my assistant. You see, I am very important, you know. She <laughs> <laughs> really needed to get that across. I am of note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, that was, that was funny. Um... I was also struck by how much continuity there was. And this is the start of there being way too much continuity in Doctor Who. Like, ridiculous. Like, because... Oh, kind of like from the previous episode stuff. Not just the previous episode, but like going back a whole season. It's insane. So not only do they talk about... Well, they've got Black Orchid clothes and stuff. And the, ki- yeah. the kinder... Was that not the previous episode? Um, well, it was. it was... Yeah, it they was. Really chatting about that for a while. But oh, then yeah. Kinder was a bit earlier. But then he, Adric's talking about Pterodon and how he's not going to go back to Alzarius. Yes, they talk about. Yes. And then that he did really go on about that a bit, and I was like, "Oh, do you really want to see Inspector Wexford? And yeah. is he dead? I don't know." Yes. And um, and then <laughs> some marshiness. And then Romana's still in e-space. We've forgotten about Romana yeah. by now, thank you. And <laughs> long gone. And the monitor on Logopolis is mentioned as well. Yes, so it's like, that's true. The monitor said you could you could do the calculations if you tried hard enough. <laughs> so yes. It's a bit... I thought this is the start of it getting ridiculous. I mean, the worst point is Attack of the Cybermen when they suddenly reintroduce Mondas from 1966 and expect people to remember. <laughs> like... Oh, yes, I remember. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It was just like last week to well, me. I... <laughs> <laughs> I really did enjoy... The, the focus for Adric's whining, it was, I really, I thought it was hilarious when he's just like, you don't play ball games with me anymore, Daddy. <laughs> it was just so less. I wrote down so that the fifth Doctor is like a father trying to entertain three children and he's dividing his yes. time up between them. And it's just... Yeah, completely. <sighs> and he actually dislikes all of his children. Yes. <laughs> which is to just fuck off. <laughs> Can you just move out, please? I think he likes Nessa. <laughs> but I kind of still like you. Like, I feel uh, a little bit... Well, not much. Just, actually, it's long enough. I think he <laughs> likes Nessa, but he also slightly fancies her, which is kind of a problem. 
But um, yeah, that's true. Yeah, not right. No, it's not right. Yeah, that was a really weird like because the whole thing with Adric really was just a notice me, love me, daddy, daddy, daddy. It was just awful. It was. I didn't feel well just because it's Adric. It makes you feel a bit queasy. And there was a classic Adric line, one of those ones that makes you want to hit him really hard. Because um, <laughs> my my least favorite one is probably in the Forza Doomsday when he says past sodium chloride. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And what he does in this one, he's, he's, he says, oh yes, 25-26, in the earth thing that you call Anno Domini. It's like, yeah. no, now you just need to be killed. And that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for making us all the more happy when it does. Yeah. <laughs> You've really assisted. Yeah. yeah. Not again. 26th century. The year is 2,526 in the time scale you call Anno Domini. Thank you. Why have we materialised underground? Why not? Adric wants to use the computer. I want to go for a walk. Why not help Adric? I don't need his help, thank you very much. You see? Please, Doctor, it's gone far enough. Do you know, I think since his regeneration, he's become decidedly immature. I think I've got to be kinder to Earthshock on the basis that when I was a kid, I was really excited by the fact that there was there was the call back to the dinosaurs in episode one. I was like, oh, why are they talking about the dinosaurs randomly? So I think it's like nice for the the ten year old schoolboy, but yeah, now and also because we're used to TV sort of you know, moments where it's something's mentioned because it's going to come up later, you know, it's just a bit obvious. But... Yeah. Yeah. Chekhov's dinosaur. I thought it was a little bit bizarrely incorrect of the Doctor to say that the human race was in its most... in a very primitive state 65 million years ago. And you're just like... Uh, <laughs> well, they're just, like, not even close to... Oh, is that what he said? State. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. He's like, so what were our ancestors doing at that time? He was like, oh, they're in the most primitive state. It's like, well, it's like 61 million years until they're actually going to actually start being any humans around at all. So, nah, no, no. <laughs> correct. That was a bad mistake, wasn't it? I missed that. Um, you already mentioned in your synopsis that you like the dots, the dot scannery thing. It's lovely, isn't it? Love a dot scannery yes. thing. Yes. <laughs> I love when... <laughs> When that girl's like, oh, it's it's flaring, shall we tell them? No, <laughs> the only information we have that they need to know, let's just not bother them. <laughs> just leave them alone. Them. Let's just keep it to ourselves. Yes. Probably on the blink. I feel this is the moment at which I should mention my, um, my moment of knowing someone. <laughs> yes, there's always one. Yes, but I don't even remember which one it is. That's really quite how sad it is. Basically, I met a trooper at a funeral... <laughs> It was Anne, Fun Anne Funeral. <laughs> she wasn't called Anne Funeral. It was... <laughs> that would be really unfortunate. If it was oh, it's Anne Funeral's funeral. It was destined. It had to happen. <laughs> no, Anne Valerie, who co-wrote Half of Tenko. No, co-wrote... Honestly, no. if you hadn't have been to that funeral, you'd have hardly met anyone. No, she was the only one there. It's not true. <laughs> it's not true. Anne Valerie's funeral. Um, we were at a pub. Just before we let off the Pussy Rocket, which had her ashes in it. It was actually called the Pussy Rocket. 
I know. No? Um, anyway, woman, woman next to me. You know, this is funny because it never usually happens. Usually, you have to sort of like think, look at people, and say, "Were well, you in Doctor Who once?" And she's like, she volunteered it out of nowhere. She said, "I was in Doctor Who once," you know, and she was quite posh. And she was like a lady, and she was definitely sipping a martini or something. And she's like, yes, I was in Doctor Who once. I was like, were you? Because I don't... They were very posh, all the troopers, well, weren't they? Fuck. Well, there all... you go. It was one of yeah. it was the poshest trooper you see speak. She's, she's in it. I think she's one of the ones who gets killed by the android. Anyway. Are you sure she wasn't the one who was looking at the scanner initially? Because she was this plumby ass. No, it wasn't her. Like, her voice was I don't mental. think it was her, no. But um, she was... She was sipping a... Sipping a martini and saying, yes, I was in a Peter Davis. And I was like, were you? I have no idea who you are. She said, I was in some caves. And I was like, I was really trying to piece it together. And I was like, mm, was it Earthshocks? I don't know what it was called. But I did look it up and it was like in the extra. I don't, I don't know whether she even gets a credit, but it was it was that. But she's a lady now. She's married into even a title which she didn't have then. Bless her. The actor in question was Anne Clements, who played the first trooper in episode one and was credited. Everyone's duty, who's been a bit part in Doctor Who, should volunteer that when they meet someone. Well, honestly. Like, just saves a lot of stress for people like us. See, if you could just let the thing is, away. I didn't even say I was a Doctor Who fan. The fact it was volunteered immediately was kind of interesting. I think yes, everyone she talks to, she must tell. <laughs> <laughs> That's not possible. There's no reading. Just take my word for it. They're here, all right. They don't look. Sergeant? Sergeant Mitchell? Sergeant! Sergeant Mitchell! I just wanted to say, consider how well the darkness is used and the lighting. It's very good in these caves. And yet, like, a few stories later, well, quite a few stories later, you've got Warriors of the Deep, which is full-on bright and just shows how crap the yes. costumes are. But the darkness, I think, is really good in it. The lighting. It works well for the androidiness, yes. the way they just keep walking past in their little couples. They're quite cute. I like the little... Because it definitely felt like there was a male and a female that were just kind of having a little wander <laughs> past, past, a, past a camera. It's like, whoa, here we are again. <laughs> <laughs> Another note yes. I made was that the TARDIS console is really, really shit. Because you know, it, it, it looks like they've got one of those Simon things in there, didn't it? Oh, but it's just, I just couldn't remember how, I couldn't believe how old it was and how it, it was ages before they got a good one, which was the Five Doctors, where they unveiled a new TARDIS console. Consoled. Right. <laughs> a new TARDIS console. Yeah, no, they definitely did have some pretty lame stuff and some very thick, translucent plastic. Oh, it, it was, was yeah, terrible. It was pretty bad. Yeah. And I also wasn't a big fan of the candy stripe lasers, those pink and white striped lasers they kept firing. Oh, I was quite happy with them. Yeah. Yeah. Quite happy with Ryan, them. Ryan <laughs> was the same. He said, I don't know what your problem is with those lasers. They're cool. <laughs> well, yeah. well not as cool, but you thought they were Very okay. Very happy. Yeah. Any other thoughts about episode one? I liked that the rest on robots melted people. I liked that. Hmm. But not when you... Like, if you if they shoot you and you're there, then they just fall over dying... If they shoot you and nobody else is around, they melt them into a green snotty poo, which is quite bizarre. Um, and I did enjoy how someone walks up and sees, um, they go back to find Snyder. I got a name there, wrote down Snyder. Anyway, they go back to find Snyder. And like he stood 
on bits of her goo <laughs> and sees the, the Snyder name badge and goes, yep, Snyder, and carries on standing there. And it's just like, <laughs> you stood on your old mate, you freak. <laughs> it's really bizarre. Yes. yes. Um, so what was your take on the Cybermen reveal? I liked it. Good. I love it. I do. I love a Cyberman. I do. Yeah, they were always my favourite back then. They were always my joy. So, um, yeah, I was very happy yeah. to see them. I think that's that's them in their purest form. Yeah. <laughs> I just, but I really... Is it? <laughs> yes. I love their silver moon boots. I love how every man that they must have contracted to play a Cyberman must have some kind of kind of bowel issue or something because they don't have any fat on them. They're all like twisted shape. They're all like these skinny, tall, absolutely impossible sized men. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think they're brilliant. I really do. I really enjoy them. I, I, I believe them absolutely. Right. I mean, yes. I did at the time, but the problem is retrospectively, having now watched so much 60s Cybermen who, that they're just so plummy and they have like, they're sort of like Shakespearean actors and... Yeah, I must admit, I think I wrote somewhere about how just before then they must have been to to um, Berkshire or something and taken over a lot of people because they were really <laughs> yeah. pot accents. Or they did went to Berkshire, <laughs> took over a load of people and they decided yeah. to go back there because they were the pot And I think they I did a, a summer season of The Tempest while they are in Berkshire as well. And they were like, <laughs> yeah. oh, actually, now we'll do this. But um, it kind of does take away from what the Cybermen are, if you know. But I didn't care because I was 10 years old and I'd never seen them perform before. But, like, even, like, the 1975 edition is wrong because even calling it Revenge of the Cybermen, that's the whole point of Cybermen, is that they're not emotional. They don't have the emotion. Yeah, but everything about the Cybermen is wrong in that way. All of their excellent. <laughs> it's just like, you don't care. You would just say, good. Yeah. You just wouldn't have the emotion, but they get they every part of every Cyberman story I've ever seen. They are the most impassioned and furious <laughs> of all of the creatures. They are just the opposite of what they're supposed to be. But that's kind of why I love them. Yeah. Because they just don't make any fucking sense. What is it? A TARDIS. A Time Lord. But they're forbidden to interfere. This one calls himself the Doctor. And does nothing else but interfere. Emotion, love. Pride, hate, fear! Have you no emotions, sir? It was in this regenerated form that he confined the Cybermen to their ice tomb on Telos. I imagine you have orders to destroy me. And as this, he defeated us in our attempt to destroy Volga, the planet of gold. You've no home planet, no influence, nothing! You're just a pathetic bunch of tin soldiers skulking about the galaxy in an ancient spaceship. I did not see any of these men in the cave. It appears he has regenerated again. But whatever his form, he must be found and destroyed. But in the 60s, those ones, they're just impassively relentless in their goal and they don't care. And that's really exciting and cool. Right. Like in the Tenth Planet when Polly's questioning them and she's like, but don't you care? Don't you have... And she, they go, emotions! We don't have emotions! That sounded quite Yorkshire, but you know what I mean. <laughs> we are from Yorkshire, yeah. but we don't have emotions. Later on, we go to Berkshire. <laughs> and we put on a production yeah. of The Tempest. They wanted to get taken seriously. Yeah. <laughs> People from the North never get taken seriously. <laughs> you better take over some high-powered wankers. <laughs> Yeah, so it's just kind of it. But it's funny how 
the Cybermen were such a success in the 80s. Like, that was part of Doctor Who, the biggest success side of it. And, like, the five Doctors, the Cybermen being in that was cool. And even as late as Silver Nemesis, I was still really enjoying the Cybermen. So, you know. Um, uh, yeah, and I guess at the end when, as soon as um, a, a Cyberman sees Peter Davison, he's like, destroy them at once. And I'm like, yep, that's what I think. Every time I see Peter Davison, fucking get rid of him. <laughs> Quick reaction, I'm there. So into episode two. Yes. Yeah. One one scene I just can't let go. Oh, no, it's when um, Adric throws the the rock at the android, and Lieutenant Scott said, "Who's that boy?" And and Peter Davison proudly says, "Oh, oh, that's Adric. Like he's always brave and amazing, and like he cares about yeah. him." I'm like, sorry, no, this doesn't work for me at all. I'm I'm making a stand. Oh. <laughs> You see, to me, I, I'm like, it, he is a little bit the way Peter Davison is, but because he plays this father role with the kids, like, I think he kind of, he doesn't give a shit about them when they're moaning, but as soon as they do something good, they're like, oh yeah, that's my kid there. Oh, Look I at see. That. It's, well it's, it's kind of <laughs> yeah. owning things, like if they do something good ever. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wrote down, this was perhaps the first time Adric was ever useful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think they probably thought, oh, we have to make him not as annoying if we're going to get rid of him. But don't you think it was a little bit odd that in 25, 26, that an android was not considered as something that would be fairly normal? Like, to me, if I was going to have some device and I was worried about things being around, I'd have something that didn't just track mammalian form, I think they said. Like... The shock that there was an android there was massive. And it's like, surely, like, being as what we've got to now, and probably even in the 80s of what was capable in terms of the thoughts of robotics, then an android doesn't seem that an impossible concept. But they were all completely shocked by the whole concept of their... Like, they weren't prepped for it at all. Yeah. They were just like, oh, shit, we were only expecting people. So this is impossible to deal with, which I just thought was really stupid. Yes, I agree. Um I need to understand about the bomb. I don't understand the bomb. So take me through what is the bomb doing there? Is that to destroy the Earth because the conference is happening there? I think... It's not said. I think it was just planted for, you know, when we want it. Shits and giggles. Just just there for shits yeah. and giggles. Because yeah. I don't understand. If that is... I then I was thinking, well, obviously all the freighter stuff with the Cybermen is just a backup of getting that to Earth. But if the Earth has been destroyed, yeah. you don't need to get there. So why wrapping them all up and bother sending them on the freighter towards Earth if this bomb's going to work? And Oh, yeah, the backup's quite elaborate, isn't it? Yeah. I, I don't think... I think that was a plan that he came up with on the fly. I think they were on, they were on that freighter because they were on that freighter. Like, that was just where they happened to be at the time. <laughs> there are places to go. Yeah. That, that reminded me of... And you're actually on that cruise. <laughs> they're paying you and you're actually on that... You're actually on that freighter. <laughs> um, yeah. And also, I have a question about the Cybermen. The Cybermen. And that is, when they know the TARDIS. So... I suddenly announced in the room with Ryan and, and Greg and Ryan's like, what the fuck's he talking about? But Greg was someone who knew. And I was like, let's just go back and work out whether the, the Cybermen have ever seen the TARDIS before. And it was so yeah. funny how all the previous Cybermen stories, you never get to see the TARDIS because in Revenge of the Cybermen, it's not there. 
because where is it in Revenge of the Cybermen, the TARDIS? It arrives at the end of the story. It arrives on Nerva at the end of the story because it's... Yeah, and it's like, look what we found kind of After thing. the Cybermen have weird. defeated. So it doesn't appear in Revenge yes. of the Cybermen. Then you go back to the invasion. And then, bizarrely, in the invasion, the, and the, the TARDIS is invisible. They arrive in a field and it's invisible and the Cybermen are going nearer near it. And you keep going back. And the TARDIS is... Then the next one, the wheel in space, the TARDIS is in a separate spaceship that they have to move between to the wheel in space. So you just keep going back and the TARDIS is never there and the Cybermen have never seen it. I've got a counter for this. Good. They actually, in the episode, they say, it is a TARDIS. It is a Ah. TARDIS. Um, And this one is, this one belongs to... The Doctor, but we ha- I think they say like with the, it's, we've seen other Tardises before, so they are aware of Tardises as being a thing. Obviously, Tardises do not look like that from anywhere. <laughs> exactly. Any other time, well, Tardis doesn't look like that, so let's not go there. Uh, well, I don't take your your thing, your thing. <laughs> but I mean, the, th- the only time we could think of Greg and I was at the start of the Tenth Planet. The Cybermen come out from behind the Tardis, and that's the only time, which is the first oh, Cybermen okay. story. But other than that, not. Not happening. They're not anywhere near the TARDIS. Anyway, it's not important. Don't be such a fan. I think you're yeah, fine. Don't you never see the TARDIS. Yes. Yes, exactly. We have been betrayed. That I found was a really odd turn of phrase because betrayed kind of demonstrates loyalty. Like it, it makes you feel like why would the Doctor ever been loyal to them enough to then betray them? He didn't betray them. He just fucked them over. Mm. There was no betrayal in that whatsoever. Yeah. Wrong word, Mr. Plummy Buckshaman. No. Oh, I liked the cute little cyber recap, though. That was lovely. Oh, gorgeous, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's like, look at all the times you've seen them before. We look And you can't underestimate how amazing that was. I mean, that was just like me living my best life. That was probably my best night of any night in 1982, just seeing that. Best best moment. I remember when they did the Mordrin Undead one the following year and I was like wet my pants when they showed all the different... The... Oh yeah, there was lots of little recaps. <laughs> oh. Yes. Um. Oh, and then there's a bit where... Um, <laughs> obviously, now, slightly abusive Doctor would, is quite keen on an Adric because he did one good thing you'd like to chat to him. <laughs> Adric. Adric is like a toddler <laughs> who hasn't had enough snacks. He's like, I can't talk now, I'm hungry. That's <laughs> just... Imagine him running off to get a rusk or a muesli bar because he's just not had enough recently. I'm hungry, Daddy. Let me go. So we must be getting on towards the point where we meet Beza for the first time. So yeah, do, do you disagree with Greg that she was a whole world of no? 100%. I fucking love her. I love that during her time, wherever she was, she'd been waiting for like eight hours. Yeah, got it. But she'd had her hair done perfectly in that time. She had had it quaffed within an inch of its life. She'd really gone for it. That, that really, like, the staunch, bosomy kind of... I mean, she can't wear anything that's not bosomy. But then the bosomy outfit she's wearing, the hair up to there, and the fierceness and the way she hates that bloody... What's he called? Ringway, yeah. or something. She fucking hates him, and I love how much she hates him. It's just... She's so good. I love her. I just, there was a moment where... She's she's there looking at the screen and then a sidekick woman is also there and they're both just fucking owning it and they're just like they're having that kind of banter that male 
kind of captains and their second in command have on TV shows all the yeah. time where they're basically taking the piss out of other people and just like they get each the way each other thinks and they're just doing it their way they're not doing it like men they're doing it like they do and they're like like that that second in command is giving advice to the other dude on how to speak like proper management well actually your role here is to give them some kind of comfort and to reassure them and like giving them giving him actual proper good management advice like I just felt like this was women who have been there done that and are actually very capable and that's how they got into that role they weren't just kind of feeble creatures and so them two being in charge and just been like for fuck's sake I wish you just got it kind of thing oh just made me really happy so yeah I will I will fight for Beza till the ends of the earth definitely I just happen to think that uh, the disappearance of three crew members rather important that's all so do I mister but it's something that can be settled when we get back to earth and our cargo's delivered safely, understood? Make ready to get underway. If it makes you any happier, double the patrols. I don't want any mention of this. You're beginning to bore me. I should have gone oh, with it. Very strongly made point. And I think it is it is about the patriarchal society we live in that like our judgment and it i'm not going to distance myself from grace comment because i've always thought oh god beryl reed but i think maybe mine's not so much about women being in charge but just that beryl reed was always on blankety blank so it felt like you were watching a turn from blankety blank rather than because beryl reed was so entertainment centric world of yeah. she was never taken seriously no. she was always silly she was a joke of in herself kind yeah of thing. and i think that was my issue and just the fact that john nathan turner would later go on to employ like Ken Dodd and Bonnie Langford it was the start of that song yeah it, it, with that that in mind I can understand but yeah I feel like she played it really straight I feel like she, she put herself into it she didn't turn it into something silly she didn't do a bit of a newer kind of a moment she was just she did her lines really well like when you're beginning to bore me it was just like oh I loved that yeah. it was just like yeah, yeah you were boring me actually annoying shit um oh I do just need to say a word to you yeah Casual. Ah! I wanted to say that! I wrote it down! Aren't we being a bit casual? <laughs> I'm going to show you in my notes. I don't know whether you can see it, but um, can you see my notes? I wrote casual with two Zs. <laughs> I'll show you my casual. <laughs> ah, brilliant! We both wrote Zs for casual. Aren't we being a bit casual? And now I think forevermore I will be casual. <laughs> totally that was quite enjoyable look aren't we being a bit casual about this and then followed on by a very odd scream uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that was the weirdest scream ever like it did just sound like someone's doing some choir practice in the corner why won't they show themselves what's happening over there <laughs> I did love the fact that they used a model for to show how big the freighter was inside and they kind of and then they zoomed in to show how small and bit so how, how big it was it and how he went felt in. massive oh, it was so clever i think they did a really good job of creating yes. space and i don't care how many times they go around the same piece of set they still to me they created a feeling of real size yes yeah i felt really reassured they were in a massive freighter and i was happy for that yeah. end of episode two um on this yes. ship, we execute murderers. 
Well, actually yes. you don't. You just let them wander around for a bit and never actually stop them for their crimes. But I, I always think that was just, if that was followed up, but it's not true. It's just Ringway being a bit of a sadist. Yes. Yeah, his turn was a bit strange, the way he went from one to the other, because I trusted his slightly kind of panicky yeah. persona were in the people. And so it was, it was it, they did, I guess they did it well. They, they shocked you with the... Oh, he's not actually that normal a guy. But um, I found it quite bizarre <laughs> the whole time that then after the we execute murderers bit and they kind of escort them away, like there's Adric really arguing the tossing, well, we're not stowaways. And I'm like, that's not the fucking point right now. <laughs> no one ever said you were. People just said you killed two people. Being stowaways is kind of beside the point right now. And actually, what is the definition of a stowaway? Because you're on someone else's ship, so really you are, but that's a stupid point to argue anyway. Yeah. Um, I've also written down Beryl Reed's line here. Turn that thing off. Turn that thing off. Oh, I missed that. Oh, that was good. Oh. And there's one point where Adric, honestly, Beryl would have wanted to kill him. She comes, he comes in really close to Beryl Reed's face and says, "It isn't us." And I was like, "Oh my god, it's got personal space." It's a horrendous moment. Yeah, she should have done more to smack him yeah, away. Absolutely. Just to prove, just to prove my feminist traits. Two women in charge, middle-aged two. Yes. Yeah. No, but that is important as well. It wasn't just... They weren't beautiful and being kind of fierce and in charge. They were just two solid women who'd worked their way up. And, yeah, I believed every bit of them. Yes. See, now I'm at the bit here where I feel like we need to naturally move on to dress for success. Can we? Well, yes. Let's seamlessly do that in a way we haven't achieved in the last two episodes. (laughs) (laughs) See? It's time to dress success I'm gonna get rich for success shaping me up for the big time baby get dressed for success okay so first of all I'd like to talk about a wiggly wobbly helmet wiggly wobbly helmet (laughs) (laughs) they do wiggle too much don't they it's sweet so much they have no kind of substance to them they would fall off and certainly not save you if you were in a bloody bike let alone in a rock fall but um yeah they were they were not comfortable i felt like all of them were close to death in their little wiggly wobbly helmets but very useful in a cave like i did like the light they gave off that was quite effective but no um i loved um what Sparrow reads to I see called? What, Berger? Yeah. I love Berger and Ringway's little leather um, vest yeah. affair. I thought that looked really yeah. good. That looked like the kind of thing you might expect someone to actually have in that situation. Like they weren't wearing polyester. They were wearing something suitable for being on a bit of a voyage. And it was actually quite funky. The colours looked all right. I was quite impressed with that. Yeah. And of course, Tegan in a Ripley outfit. In her Tegan and a Ripley. I mean, honestly, the the backstory I had with her, I said, Ripley, I think, is a bit fucking far. Because already when Lass was wearing it, I was looking at it, thinking, why, why are you wearing that fucking horrific outfit? I was just looking at it for hours and just feeling quite ill. And it does nothing but for any that's because, part of your body. That's because for her, she's such a sloth-like person, and she's sort of like, uh, and she's got lank hair, and she's just a bit. Uh. Honestly, she looks she like she really just is feeble in every sits way. in a room and watches Neighbours. You know, she's, I, she mm. just did nothing else. Like, oh, I couldn't be doing. She with did. It. it was very much the kind of outfit that I feel like a lot of mums in, like, when I was at playgroup would have worn. Like, it felt like an eighties mums 
kind of outfit. I feel like mum would have had coffee groups with women wearing that. Like it was it was just <laughs> really possibly. nasty. Um, but it's obviously but yeah, it's no, clearly just... not the same suit that Tegan wears because she, because Tegan's a lot thinner than that woman as well. It would have been made so baggy. Do you see? Oh, definitely. Oh no, because she does. She has to tuck in like the. She has to tuck in the bottom. It's like the bottom uh, was way too long for her. Okay. Maybe just had two. But anyway, but yes, it was impor- it was nasty. But I have a more important question about that. Is like so in the next story, Tegan goes back to her air hostess uniform. You wouldn't put the air hostess uniform on again after getting a jumpsuit, would you? Even if it's brown. So yeah, no, I, I really, I was getting quite upset at this point. I was like, if she like the first place she went to when she was like, oh, well, you can't go out wearing that, and she's like, well, give me yours then. I'm like, fucking hell, you are in a TARDIS. You've got all of the yeah. previous companions' fucking wardrobes yeah. to go with. And I'm just like, take Tegan to Littlewoods or something. Just give her <laughs> a know. fucking shopping trip. Is that the only reason you've been wearing your air hostess outfit all this time? Just because like, everyone you meet, you're like, oh, can I wear it? Would you mind? And it's just fucking mental. <laughs> she should have so many options. It's yeah. just, it's really upsetting that it's not until like she starts to get a loud animal print stuff that she actually starts to be allowed to wear nice clothes. Because series just... two, she has to wear that cream bodice affair forever as well. I did like that, but though, I know, so I'm but... up for a bit of forcing her into that. I'm up for giving her that pain. <laughs> the only thing I will say in the defence of the of the Doctor Who production team is that they had ejected Romana's bedroom at this point, so that she didn't have the choice of Mary Tam and Lala Ward's costumes. She'd have been fine with bloody Barbara. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. It's not, it's not a defense. I think a bit of a high neck jumper. I love, I love how you think that Barbara's clothes are still there from the sixties. <laughs> Fucking hell! Are they? You don't imagine doctors having a spring clean every now and then. Oh, I must get rid of Barbara's clothes. He <laughs> just fucking leaves them there. <laughs> Oh, oh, that's the point. When that. Barbara and Ian leave, they don't take any of their clothes or costumes with them, do they? No. This no. is something I've stumbled upon now. It's like. Where are all the clothes that they've taken with them? Does Sarah oh, leave all the clothes that she's been in in, in Doctor Who? They're all in my <gasps> head. Like, in my head, I'm like, I always imagine that basically you walk out of that, like, corridor out of the, yeah. the console room and you just you just come across rooms and rooms of really cool clothes. Like, it's just, it's all oh there my in God. my head. And that's why I'm always con- confused why they're not going into these rooms that are very accessible. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have to go far. They're just there. <laughs> yeah, mm. it's upsetting. Yeah. So yeah, it was still undressed for success, and I watched the whole of Earthshot with Cass. She was um, she was quite into it with really? me because, and she's like, "Oh, it's my daughter," and she, she's really cute. She's she really owns that she's Cassia, and I'm like, "Well, she's not really a daughter. She's kind of like your stepdaughter that you that kind of hate." <laughs> <laughs> She's like, okay, well, I like my stepdaughter now. And she wears really cool clothes. And I think she got that from her stepdaughter. <laughs> <laughs> She's really getting into it. So she was very excited by um, Nissa's outfit. Oh, okay. um, yeah, no, it was really lovely. Because I think she just, yeah, she feels that kind of ownership over it. Um, who else do we have? I love um, I love Beryl's bomber. Beryl's bomber's there yeah. forever. And how excitedly the Doctor keeps folding up his Panama. <laughs> I don't think he's ever folded and folded his Panama so many times in his life. It was every other season. Yes. Okay, we've had a very successful dress for success there. Well Wasn't done, it, though? us. I like the reveal that Ringway was in the employ of the Cybermen, so he's just Kelman and the Cybermen are up to their old tricks. I know, I was shocked by the bad hat reveal. That yes. really did get me. It was good. Yes. And I also, I love a quick shutting door. 
Like often you don't have a quick shutting door in Doctor Who. They're generally quite sloth-like. But that door, whoo! <laughs> <laughs> it's quick there when Sue and Simon went round the corner. Brah! <laughs> no prisoners. Yeah, yeah through that. absolutely. Yes. Um, and then Feisty Tegan. I guess that your mate Greg would like us to talk about Feisty Tegan. But wow, that was so out of character when she's just like... They've, they've knocked him out a bit and she runs and gets the gun and shoots them right in the chest. That was just out of character. But brilliant. Like, yeah, really we brilliant. like a bit of that. Yes. Yes. Yes, I did. Um, oh, yeah, and I love a cyber birth. I really enjoyed all of the cyber births. I thought they were really coming out of the yes. cellophane and I remember loving that at the time. Think, yeah. Yeah. So good. It was good. They, they did want to, I guess, recreate Team of the Cybermen, do you think? Were they trying? Cause I guess that was effective at the time and people liked a bit of a... Absol- I think so, yeah. Jump out. Absolutely. Although there are lots of complaints. Well, there weren't. About two people in Berkshire. We're in Berkshire again. Probably said... <laughs> I didn't think you should be... <laughs> they were annoyed that they weren't taken over by the Cybermen. <laughs> Maybe they hadn't enjoyed their production of The Tempest. But, <laughs> but there was complaints from people saying... Dear Auntie Beeb, I think you'll find that you shouldn't be encouraging children to put bags on their heads. You know, oh, that, that was the problem? Issue. Yeah. Right, I need to show you something and I want you to tell me what it reminds you of. It's going to upset you slightly because it's going to be feet. But look, that colour there on my toes. Yeah. Thermal lamps, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at it thinking, oh, that's a lovely shade. Now my toes, I was like, oh! I don't have a problem with feet. It's you that we had to bring in a foot clause at that party. (laughs) I don't mind feet at all. They're not nice. They're not. They're not fit to be shared. But I do have nice toe colour at the moment. But yes, I was quite happy with the magenta thermal lamps. I thought it did nicely, and I liked the pointlessness of that whole affair. Just to freeze a. a Oh, I love that. That was my favourite moment as a kid, other than the reveal, initial reveal, was the fact that there was the two doors, but they did all the effort to stop that one side man coming through. It was halfway through the door. I thought it was brilliant. And then uh, two minutes later, they're just like, oh, fuck it, we'll all go through now. It doesn't do anything. No, but I love that. But yeah, I liked it. Charges prime. Yes, Peter. Yeah, this is when I realised that the plot was actually the plot of Day of the Dalek. <laughs> oddly the same, wasn't it? Yeah, but at least in Day of the Daleks you've got people coming in, coming in taxis and getting out of their cars and then going back in their cars and say, oh, we're not having the conference after all. And they run away before. <laughs> so it's like, take them off Why you Why is go. that an at least? <laughs> well, because you don't see anything of the conference. You don't care about oh, the conference because you're not there. You're not I'm not having it. There's too much of that. It's a throwaway yeah. concept that you're just not, yeah, you're not engaged with it. You're just like, oh, there's a reason. Yeah. This is the reason. Let's just, yeah. It happens okay. again on the same sort of, 
in the same sort, of, same sort of way in Resurrection of the Daleks, and I hate that, is when they say, oh, the plan is that we've actually got all these duplicates and we're going to replace members of the High Council on Gallifrey, and that's how we're going to take over the universe. And it's like, well, we've not seen any of this. We've not been to Gallifrey in this story. What the fuck are you talking about? And it feels the same here. It's just like, wow. this is happening off screen. We don't believe it because yeah. we've not seen it. So, okay. Yes. I would have liked less of the. I troopers. was doing my best listening. I would like. Oh, I would have liked less of the troopers and more. Actually, we saw some scenes on Earth. We're preparing for the conference. You know, some scenes of people putting. You know how at conferences where setting up the chairs. Yes, setting up the chairs. And when they put out all the com- the conference folder, which which um, promotes the particular venue and the pen that goes next to it. Whenever I yes. whenever I work at a conference venue, the first thing I do is I gather all those things up and put them in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't want people to have their shitty pens or their folders to be faffing around. Yes, because people I, get distracted. I'm by always having to get rid of all the stuff in conference rooms. Oh, that's so funny. But they would, and there'd have been a lot of chair dresses. <laughs> well, <laughs> I hate chair dresses. They're so horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my life. Removing things from conference rooms. I could have given them some tips <laughs> on how to film that scene. Um, yes, I mean, but why do they want to destroy the Earth? Oh, yes, because of the conference. I get it. I get it. Unity against the cyber yes. people. We, um, we meet again, Doctor. Or do we, though? Because who is this guy? And have they met before? Yeah. No. <laughs> and the only reason they know, because it's like, which one's... I think they say at one point, which one's the Doctor? It's oh, the tall one on the right. And it's like, why? <laughs> Just because he walks like I reckon he would, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. think that... <laughs> the Doctor would waddle like Adric. That's all I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> waddle like Adric. And I love the I love the fact that the Cybermen numbers are exaggerated by the same technology they used on top of the pops to show lots of people dancing. And the same technology as um, Leisure Hive. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, all of them walking. Like they don't. Like they could have made it like so that there was no obvious distinguishing features of all, but they were just like so obviously like the same thing over and over again. It was really bad. Yeah. Yes, but uh, yeah, it still did what it needed to do. And then that last died, and Tegan gets to keep the, the dowdy beige tra- <laughs> trouser suit. I think she's probably secretly quite relieved. She's like, fuck, I can keep it now. But that, that, <laughs> that last has died. Her design. I, I, I wrote, so deserved a death. She was never truly alive, is what I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> She's dead. But then, you need to tell me about, canonically, when is the Doctor, uh, sorry, the TARDIS a no-shooty zone and when is it not? Oh, fucking, I don't Temporal Grace and all that bollocks. I don't remember. Yeah. I've forgotten. Okay. <laughs> but they got away with it. Yeah. It seemed to work all right there. But this is point. my big problem with this era. Eric's say with love's death. He thinks it's really clever to have people die pointlessly. And he thinks it's really shocking. But every time there's a death, it becomes less shocking. And although, although Earthshock was really hard-hitting, 
from here on in, so many stories where all the people die and it's like, oh, there must be another yeah. way and all that stuff. And it's just, no, just stop killing people. It's not clever. It's not big. It's not adult. Yeah. Find another and way like, of telling a story. Like the, because everyone treats it like with a, such a lack of care as well. Like if everyone was like stopping doing the story again, fuck, that's horrific. Yeah. Then yeah, the kind of the magnitude of it would maybe hit home. But everyone's like, oh yeah, she's dead. Let's stand on her with the duck mountains <laughs> and carry on. Like no one actually mm-hmm. is observing the fact that these people die. And the fact that Andrick's death was kind of really kind of lamented where all of those people who died completely unnecessarily previously were completely forgotten about. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Wrong. Yes. Did you see the Cyberman fall down a step? Oh, yes. There was a, there was a little moment where he flubbed his step. Yes, because I pointed out to Greg and Greg hadn't noticed it. And I was like, you've watched this story so many times. This is one of your favourite stories. Yeah. How did you miss the, the moon boot flub? <laughs> yes. yes, yes. He was having trouble. Yes. Oh, no. So I've got, I've got a little helpful bit here. Is they're turning us into a flying bomb. So the freighter is the bomb, but I think they've got explosives on it, but they're turning... No. What? Something's coming. <gasps> I think, it, yeah, it's, it's... This is something like a thermal reactor or something. Oh, I think it is, well done. Yes. There's something that is the drive for the freighter that if it has an impact would be majorly exploded. There was something additional in... The freighter that I mean, it was probably how the freighter worked, but it was something that is super reactive, not just like a bit of an explosion. Yeah. It would be mad, mad. I need to ask you a question. When was the last time you ate a well-prepared meal? <laughs> he really doesn't know how to get like into the psyche of a psychopath. <laughs> All of that was just so lamely done. Like you can imagine Tom Baker saying stuff, and he would have come up with his own stuff that would have really maybe hit home a little bit. But all of that stuff was so frivolous and so shitty. It was like, you're just saying shit that clearly means nothing to this person. Yeah, because surely the side men don't eat meals. (laughs) Really quite pointless. Like, probably like... What that what they've lost in terms of loved ones or that kind yeah. of thing like that would be an angle, be the angle to go for but just a nice fucking meat and potatoes is probably not the way but to go. But this is Eric Sayward not... who wrote this and script edited, which is I think it's against the rules for the unions. Actually, I'll have you know, but <laughs> report him. <laughs> report him. <laughs> Forty years later, <laughs> I, just I don't to see him behind I bars now for that. Yes, I so demand good. a tribunal now. <laughs> I shouldn't have done it. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's just like no, you don't understand who the Cybermen are or what what no. to write here. It's just very odd. So like, I know New Who is a dangerous territory for me to go down, but <laughs> but like um, that dude Danny Pink. Yeah, and uh, and the yeah, woman, like he... the woman misses something who dies in the Rise of the Cybermen. That one, the woman who becomes yeah. the Cybermen later. That's all handled really brilliantly. Yeah, they really like had got into yeah. kind of what it is that you would miss and how awful you would feel without, well, feel without feelings, but yeah, it doesn't really make sense. But still, like, they just, they tried to get in touch with the humanity of it all and not just talk about really pointless, oh, wouldn't it be nice if you went for a nice walk in the park? Oh, yeah, you've really got who I am now. <laughs> exactly, like, like, you just... loon. But we must talk about the, the scene in which, basically, the Doctor tries to have Tegan murdered. Because, because the <laughs> says, no kill her. <laughs> How long does he delay before he says no? 
I mean, the sad man could have really shot about know. 300 times over by the time he says no. <laughs> it's like the doctor clearly yeah. wants Tegan dead. <laughs> you have affection for this woman. She's a friend. And you do not consider friendship a weakness. I do not. Kill her. Such a reaction is not a disadvantage? No. You are mistaken. I now have control over you, Doctor. All I need do is threaten the woman's death for you to obey me. And Tegan's so good at... Janet Fielding's so good at her desperation as she's backing away because she's going to yeah. get killed. Yeah, I would good. never have forgiven the Doctor for that delay, ever. I was like, right, yeah. you fucking bastard, I'm out of here. You, I could have been murdered so many times here. Honestly, I was furious. Yeah. yeah, no, he was. But yeah, the, it is strange that I guess I don't know if you'd noticed it, but just now, like looking back, that I'd never had any understanding of how fucking weird Peter Davison's relationship was with his companions. So like odd. it was just really odd. Like there's, I feel like that. Yeah, obviously the scripts, but I think you have a little bit of free reign about how you interact. Yeah. Absolutely, because if that had been Tom Baker and Sarah, he would have said no. He would have said no straight away. He wouldn't have let any sort of delay. Yes, for it. he yeah. felt what was right yeah. and what was wrong, and he stood up for what Absolutely. the character would do. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't yeah. buy it. Yeah. I must have a. Yeah. I must tell you about David Banks, who played the cyber leader. So, I am one of the very few lucky people who saw him play the Doctor on the day that John Pertwee had a bit of a an illness on the stage I think I remember this yes yeah. so I went with dad weirdly can't believe he took me to see Doctor Who the stage play whatever it was called where was that the ultimate adventure in Birmingham and something of April mm. 1980 something um, but anyway yeah David Banks had to take over as the Doctor and right yes not many people have seen that but it was, I was there I was in the theatre lad that was pretty special it was but yeah, I can always picture him when you see the cyber leader. I always know that's what he looks like for some reason. I must have always stuck in my head. what you probably... Do you remember? You know the convention we went to in Blackpool where I made you sit with Adric and lick his face? Do you remember that one? <laughs> I think you've gone a little bit far. But... <laughs> <laughs> you, I got a yes. photograph of you with Matthew Waterhouse after we'd been really rude to him. Said, you weren't, I, I think we'd said something like... Years. <laughs> we said something like, you weren't that bad. <laughs> Something we said to him was we missed it all the time. <laughs> but there's two memories. One is Adric based, one is David Banks based. There was when we went on the on the bus back to the hotel, it was really weird because as the the bus kept stopping and it was really slow and for ages we were going along and um and Matthew Waterhouse was walking along beside the bus and he was he wasn't getting the, he wasn't getting on the bus and he was doing his Adric waddle all the way along for about a mile. We were following Adric and the bus, it was so funny. I remember. He was wearing a black t shirt with red rides oh, on it, wasn't yes. Yeah. And it was just yeah. we watched him for so long, we were like, There's Adric waddling along, he's still not getting on the bus. 
<laughs> it was so weird. I remember feeling like on a bit of a high that day. I remember we were just so giggly. It was a really yeah. funny, fun day. Well, I think we'd had fun, yeah, with, we'd had fun with Peter Miles and Sophie Aldred was there. But also so was David Banks. Now, what do you remember about what David Banks wore? Because he always did this at conventions at this time, late 80s, early 90s. Well, you see, I might get confused with Prentice. Was it was it leather? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah, Prentice Hancock with his leather obsession. No, um, <laughs> what it was was every time he wore, t- he wore really tight T-shirts and he'd slash the front of them. So there was, there was slash so you could see his nipples. And he would always do it. It was so weird. And I don't know whether you're thinking yeah. I could I could you know hook up with people here, but maybe in the eighties oh. no it was, it was probably the early nineties I think this probably was, but it was always weird that he'd wear these slash t-shirts and I'm like okay that's interesting, <laughs> very <laughs> odd. I mean I have nothing to talk about because I had Jason Donovan curtains at this point like this. <laughs> I was looking fine. I remember I what you were wearing because I remember the photograph. You were wearing a cream top with a button here, and you were quite boobular, and you had orange, orange hair, ginger hair tied back in a ponytail. Oh, look at me! Fucking cool, I bet. <laughs> right, I'm, I'm finding pictures of now. He's, he's just looking a bit Miami Vice here. Yeah. He was the one in Brookside, wasn't yes. he? Yes. Yeah, he was. God, you talk about that forever on stage. You're like, yeah, we know you're in Brookside, we don't care. We're here to talk about Cyber Leader. Thank you. <laughs> wow, I'm not seeing any slash t-shirts. I'm seeing some pretty awful outfits, though. Good. Anyway. Yeah. It's too obvious that Adric's going to die now, and not only because we know Earthshock. It's just that really long scene where he says, good luck, bye, Doctor. It's just too obvious that he's going to die. But... It is. When he's like, bye, Tegan. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, Adric. Bye. <laughs> Just go away now. Just, like, just fucking leave, will you? Yes. I've just written down, I don't know why particularly, it says, Sarah Sutton is very pretty, I've written down. She's very pretty. Yes, I was getting a lot of that from Kath. She's like, oh, I've got pretty children. <laughs> <laughs> I love how she's, she's really taking on this Cassia role, hasn't she? But she has completely really misunderstood is. the assignment. Really <laughs> <laughs> I've got a question for you, which I don't understand. Why, halfway through episode four, do more Cybermen suddenly wake up like they've been activated and they don't achieve anything? Yeah, because the there's something said and it was like, we don't need any more or something. And then suddenly a load of them get reactivated. It was like, no, I don't think that's what we just said. <laughs> Did you miss here? It was really odd. It just, like, there was definitely like, we really don't need anyone now. Oh, okay, let's make up. <laughs> it was, oh, good. I'm glad that confused you no as well. I was like, I don't understand what's going on. Hmm. Yeah. Good. I think they just really enjoyed the explodey pictures. So they, was, like, they paid a lot more of that. to do that. They were like, well, let's do a bit more. Yeah. Because they didn't even need him, the Simon waking up to deal with Adric, because there was already an injured trooper that was going to kill, injured cyber troop, trooper that was going to fire at Adric's thing. So, yeah, they didn't even need that. But they didn't know that that was going to work. That what was going to work? The the injured trooper was going to get anywhere close. No. But it wasn't to stop Adric, was it? The Cybermen waking up? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what we're arguing about. I'm so confused. <laughs> I think I was probably drifting. It was later in the evening. <laughs> wow. Um, I was engaged. Fully engaged. Yes. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. What I don't... Um, yeah. yeah. I was confused by the time warping that you so eloquently described earlier. How that happened? How they could suddenly invent time 
machine technology. There was no kind of time travel element no. to that freighter. But suddenly, you just crunch a few numbers, do a little bit of maths, they've jumped time warps, which is just not a sentence. Actually, <laughs> there is a time warp. But you don't jump time warps and feel like that's entirely wrong. Yes. Um, yeah, no, that came out of absolutely fucking nowhere. Yeah. It was a little bit um, terminacy. And it's kind of, yeah. wow, you can do that. That's impressive. That's new. Um, yes. yeah. yeah. And if they could have done that, I feel like there's so much more that they could have done with that ship generally. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, they should have just taken two seconds to get to Earth, really, shouldn't they? Like, maybe just time warps. Yeah. You know, it's a time warpy thing. Now, we're getting towards Adric's death. We're hurtling towards Adric, Adric's death. But what I'd like... I've got no notes on Adric's <laughs> death at all. It happened. I've just written that I would have liked it a different way. You know how he says, now I'll never know if I was right. I would have liked it if the he did solve the final logic code, but then he still died. And it didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, well, you were right, or you were wrong, but you're still yeah, going to die. Does that really matter? <laughs> Fuck you, dead. Yeah. Yeah. right i also have a question about i have a question about um beza and yeah. scott and berger was there someone else i don't know whoever they were all the people at that point um i've written down yeah yes because they were they went off in that little thing that adric stepped Pod. out of yes but yeah but adric adric was saying i just called greg adric oh he's gonna kill me <laughs> Adric said, wow. <laughs> Your mate Adric. Greg nice. said, oh, I think that's picked up in Time Flight because it's so continuity heavy. They say that they've gone and picked them up in that little pod and take them somewhere else at the end of Time Flight. Really? At the start of Time Flight. I don't know. I haven't watched Time Flight for years. N- oh, nor, nice. nor will I. No. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, not a next time one. Okay. But I liked that they did. It looked quite red dwarfy. I liked yeah, the little, cool. little escape pod. And I was glad to think that Beza didn't die. I always thought she had died because in my head, like, I just remember on that console and I was like, oh, she probably died. So it's nice to know she didn't. Yes. Good. Well, I'm amazed she didn't because Eric Saber just wants to kill everyone pointlessly. So yeah. he's like, next time I'll get them yeah. all. <laughs> no one, no <laughs> one leaves this stage. You will all die. And so was the... They're using the badge thing, just needlessly trying to be poetic. It was kind of annoying. Yeah, it's interesting because I always quite like the gold-killing Cybermen thing, but I know lots of Doctor Who fans are like, oh, well, they wouldn't work. And it's like, how much... <laughs> yeah, all the other guns that they use in Doctor Who would have been really... <laughs> exactly. What the fuck are you talking exactly. about? Exactly. <laughs> so I kind, of, I kind of balls. like the, the gold badge being used. Yeah, I always have. Yeah, good. But um, And I like, like how like Ace's pellets or whatever she's firing the gold yes. coins they work even though they really shouldn't as well just throwing a coin at something yeah it's not gonna work it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely not gonna work you've got me now but i do like it i do like it it's the idea of the equivalent of throwing two peas at someone although two peas are, two peas are quite big you see a two pea now oh my god good. they're chunking i feel like if you dropped one on someone from a height you wouldn't want you wouldn't they would die it's true yes <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> okay, so I think we're arriving at summing up on Earthshock. Final thoughts, yes. Alex. Um, I think it was choppy, snappy, 
things happened. I love a two-location story, especially when there's a good emphasis on both. Mm. Um, I think um, having a bit of underground tunnels where stuff's been planted previously is quite nice. I like a runny roundy in a tunnel. And I like... Um, really expansive freightery type scenarios I, I just like anything that falls with your um concept of size i think that that works really well for me i liked the um i liked beza i didn't care why they had a lot of cargo that was going <laughs> that they didn't really had no purpose um <coughs> i like a double crossing ringway um and i like that there was quite a few good people in it like i, I like tommy can't think what he was called in this, and Berger and Beza, like there was quite a few kind of in in the Doctor Who army kind of thing. Yeah. Like often it's just the, the TARDIS crew against everyone yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. But there was quite a lot of people who we got on board with and they're like, oh yeah, I like you and you've got good ideas kind of thing. Like I, I think they create a, a nice little idea. I like Tegan being fierce. I like Adric dying. <laughs> I liked Nissa being... Like, she wasn't awful. Like, she kind of... Yeah. She was doing her own thing. Like, she was just a bit cutesy in the tiles, but you can't have everyone doing everything. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of good elements to it um, and was probably a lot pacier than a lot of other um, who's of that time. Lots happening. So, yeah, no, I was pleasantly surprised. Good. I don't think it makes any sense, really, the story. That's my main problem with it. And because it's the start of everyone dying, I kind of, like, have misgivings about the whole Eric Sayward view of Doctor Who now knowing right. the Cybermen differently I think it's kind of a misconception of what the Cybermen are but I loved it at the time and I've got to remember how much as a kid I loved it um, Yeah. so you know it, it's, it's a different thing watching um, Doctor Who as, as an adult as it is to watching it as a child and loving it Yes. but for me it doesn't stand the test of time but Watching it again, I kind of thought, yeah, it's pretty good. I kind of enjoy it. Yeah. It's not bad at all, but it's, it was just, yeah, it was just, I thought it was odd in places. But I thought episode one was very tight. I thought that was all quite good. So yeah. what would you give it I out of so. 10? TARDIS is out of 10. I'd give it a seven. Same, seven, yeah. Mm. Your mine, mine's right, yours wrong. <laughs> yeah, your seven's right, mine's wrong for all the reasons <laughs> see earlier. <laughs> um, I was wondering because you know you found um, Balatora the other day. Yes. Was was oh no Doomship? Have you found? Yeah, did you find any Doomship or no? Oh, was it Balatora I found? No, I haven't looked. I haven't looked. But okay, because honestly, if you could play in, because like there was huge swathes of like of Earthshock that you stole I'm sure it was it was one of the last stories I've ever recorded and I don't know where it is but yeah it was called March of the Cybermen and it was just completely, oh, it was completely based on the music from Earthshock but if you could just play in some bits of that like it would be fucking magic I don't think I've like, got honestly, it I don't think I've got it no March of the Cybermen was classic <laughs> oh it was so honestly but honestly you managed to get a lot of kind of atmosphere into the, those tape stories you like you did a lot of sound effects and there was lots of kind of drops and things there was like noises in the background it probably and I was, sounds I was terrible though it probably sounds absolutely but of course it would you were fucking 12 or something <laughs> I'm not saying put it in for the production value maybe you'll get a job it. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant to hear it unfortunately I don't have a cassette player 
cassette player. You bitch. Sadly. Fine. Well, if you can just recreate it as you think it would have been. Okay, I'll do that. Thanks. Good. Makes note not to do what was requested. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So. So what we do next time? I think it's time to find out from the randomizer. I think so too. Okay. Um, the ultimate foe? Fuck off. <laughs> not doing the ultimate foe. It won't make any sense. We could do the ultimate foe because it would just be funny because it's absolute shit. Well, that's kind of what I was thinking. Let's do like a really random ass mental one. Because like, I think I've kind of forgotten how mental that shit was because like, I wouldn't have gone ever back. I would have seen it once and thought, nope. So we're going to watch the ultimate foe? Are you serious? <laughs> we're going to get so many listeners for this next one. <laughs> okay, nothing will make nice. sense though because it's so continuity laden because it's really a trial of a time lord parts 13 and 14 or something mad. Well, look forward to the synopsis then. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for the synopsis of the ultimate film. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's only two episodes. That's that's good. I know. God, that's really what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, otherwise, when we reach the end, it will just be like gobshite after gobshite. I know, it will. <laughs> We're going to have to get some in there. We are, it's true. Including Sylvester McCoy, however much you avoid them. No, it's Peter Davison you avoid as well. At least we've got ticked another one of those bastards, are <laughs> Let's be honest, I'm avoiding pretty much most of them. <laughs> William, no. Pat, no. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not Peter Davison or Colin Baker. <laughs> <laughs> what can we watch then? Ah, Tom Baker. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're right. We need to keep some Tom Baker's back, don't we? We do. Yes. Good. And I get too gushy. Hooray. Right. Yes. Are we done? We're done. And goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, let's do that. Um, I hope you enjoyed spending some time with us as we look back on Earthshock. I have been Andy. And I'm Alex. See ya. Later. Bye. You've been listening to World Enough in Time. If you enjoyed the episode, I know that Andy and Alex would love to hear from you on Twitter. Better still, why not leave them a review on Apple Podcasts so that other classic Doctor Who fans can find them.